Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. As you know, Joe Thorne has three new books coming out by Moody Publishers and For the Church. His three books are on the heart of the church, the character of the church, and the life of the church. And while they come out March 7th, you can still pre-order now. So go ahead and click on that link in the show notes and grab yours today. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder at Redeemer Fellowship. You're elderish. Elderish. I'll be yeah. elderish at yeah. Redeemer Fellowship. By the time this airs, you might actually be an elder. Yeah, yeah maybe. You know, maybe. Like who knows? Maybe another month. I don't know. Who knows? I, I kind of like, like the way elder candidate feels. Yeah, because it doesn't uh, doesn't really demand very much of you. Uh, no, and that's kind of it. It really yeah. doesn't. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. People don't really like. They don't go to me for things. They go to you. Mm-hmm. They don't come and bother me. They bother you, and I don't really feel that same weight and stress that I know you feel at night as you go to bed and you're like, my goodness, people are suffering so much. I'm like. Eh. I'm going to bed. I know. I think that the main difference between you and me, besides, you know, skill, talent, knowledge, is um, <laughs> that you just don't care. You don't care about the people of Redeemer. And that's, oh, why, and that's why you haven't oh, finished your, um, your candidacy. Oh, oh, oh. Because, you know, at Redeemer, uh, elders are all about shepherding. And so if you mm. really wanted to, you know, get serious, I guess that's the main difference. Well, huh? you know, here, that's the difference between mm. us and other elder, me and other elder candidates. Mm. Um, so you say... Like mm-hmm. I don't have time, guys, to sit here and write all these things. I'm in I'm in the midst of shepherding people hands on. I'm right. doing all the hands on work there, Joe. That's what I say. No, that's I know what that's what I'm doing. No, you're not doing. No, that. that's why I can't I can't type. Is because my hands are so busy loving and caring. Oh, the type flock. in the paper that you're supposed to. Yeah. write. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll let you go with that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's done by the time this airs because people want you to be an elder. So I let's know, get it on. So do man. I. All right. How was your day? How's your week? What's going on? Day's been good. Uh, I feel really good right now. Was a bit stressed earlier today, but mm-hmm. uh, got some things done that I needed to get done, uh, and now I feel really, really good. And we get to hang. It's always nice. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. You get to chill out. I was looking forward you to know, it. It's so rare that we get to do it. During dinner, I was like, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> I'm like mowing sushi so fast. I'm like, I got I gots to go. My dad and I went out for dinner. So what's going on? I mean, like, uh, we're just marches around the corner. What's what's coming up for you? What's coming up for me yeah, in, in March? In March. Uh, actually, I'm not going anywhere in March, so I'm going to be here with you. All right. I like that. Cause, what do um, you got going on well, in March? I'll be, I'll be here for the most part. You know, I think I'm going somewhere. Let Wait, me look. Where are you going? January, in March? February, March. Yes, I'm going to Christ Church Carbondale. There's a men's retreat. Uh, so I'll be preaching there with a couple of other guys. So yeah, uh, it's when uh, is March, that again? March 3rd and 4th. 3rd and 4th. But you know what? The following weekend, what you got? Oh, what we got? March 11th, Doctrine and Devotion Conference. Bam. That is close. Oh my goodness. It's coming up, man. We are, I am just amazed with how many people have signed up so far. It's really good. It's going good. We're going to have a really good turnout. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great conference. And so if you have not registered And a yet, lot of people from out of state. Oh, yeah. You know, like when we put this together, we're like, eh, if 20 people show up, we've done well. You know what I mean? Like we're like, eh, it's our first time doing something like this. I don't think people are really going to be that interested, but. It's, it's, it's pretty narrow. I mean, it's, it's, it's reform. Exactly. It's covenantalism. It's, you know. 
I mean, it's yeah. So I'm really encouraged by uh, the signups that we've seen. Yeah, man, we got we got the best. We got the best listeners. We got the best podcast community. Oh well, we just have the best podcast. That's why we have the best podcast community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wait, we have a best. We have the best podcast community because we have Be- the best podcast. Okay, okay. So causation. I get it. Right. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. That's nice. Right. Well, what are you talking about today, Joe? <sighs> revival. Revival. We're gonna talk about revival, man. Oh man, I like it. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I have my tambourines. I've okay. got my flag, and right. I'm waving it, and I'm ready to go. So you have you have a long uh, history in revival. revival work. Oh yes, I am an expert on revival. I mean, you want to see gold mm-hmm. dust fall oh. from the heavens? Uh, I want it in my Bible. I want it in my journal. I want it all over. I'm just telling you, I can give you gold teeth. Okay. But I don't. I mean, obviously, but I bring about the revival. Yeah, I know how to bring about the revival. Oh, that's definitely a perspective out there. That's, what do you mean? That, that, that a pe- perspective. That people. I mean, can't. Uh, you know. Well, you know, you see a six, I see a nine. Uh, it doesn't mean we're either are wrong. We're both right. It just depends on if the paper is upside down or right side up. Well, no, I'm just saying the different perspectives and angles. See mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So yeah, I think we're so. both right. So yeah, my way is right. Your way is right. Th- Why can't we all just get along? I think before we say what a revival is, we should probably start with what a revival is not. That mm. might be helpful, especially with Jimmy's background. Um, what do you mean my background? What is my charismatic background? Yes, that's exactly what I'm referring to because people with a charismatic background or a Southern Baptist background are oftentimes confused on what a revival is. Fair enough. Now, All right, in let's my do that. background, in the Southern Baptist background, people tend to think of a revival as a meeting. Yeah. You, well, yeah. It's, it's I mean, you're talking about the the tent meeting every Wednesday night where uh, revival would break out. You know what I'm talking well, about. Well, they would call it. They would be like, we're going to have We're going to have a revival, yeah. And who's the preacher? It's going to be uh, Brother John's going to come. Brother John's going to bring the word. He's going to preach, and we're going to have a revival. And it's, um, so I, in fact, the first time I encountered that, I'd been reading scripture for a few years, uh, and I'd you know, been exposed to church history, and so I had a, a particular concept of what revival was, and all of a sudden these Baptists were telling me, oh, we're going to have revival. We're going to have a revival on Wednesday, and I said, <laughs> what does that how? mean? What, how? What are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah, we're going to have a revival. And I just never even come across it before because I wasn't raised in the church. But having a revival uh, for many Baptists is, uh, and, charismatics, and is, charismatics is having a revival meeting. But or it, some sort of perceived manifestation of an external work of the Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. But So what I'm saying is that one way to wrongly conceive of a revival is... Uh, of revival is to think of it in terms of an event yes, that I agree. is uh, that is held because it it's not it, we're not just arguing about words when we yeah. when we when we call it a revival and we say we're going to have the revival there is a theology behind that there is there there are some thoughts that this is the way that revival comes about through the right use yes. of the constituted means oh for example all right, i got a stack of books on revival. All right, here we go here we go here we go so we, what, yeah what, we did we didn't prep books? but i grabbed every book on revival that i have on my shelf all right so now are we going to read them right now or are you just going to peruse them what i'm going to read all of them right now all right go so what? no I, I have a book here i've had this book for a long long time okay so define what you said the means are you all talking right. about the means of grace or what, what are we talking about here all right so what i'm going to do is i'm actually going to quote um a famous pastor mm-hmm. who is well known for his his work on uh, his work in revival oh wonderful all right pastor right. benny hinn says no what? no no but uh just as bad but in a in a different way oh <laughs> so <laughs> okay now i'm gonna 
I'm going to flip through this book until I find it. Well, I'm really glad that we've got this. podcast right here. (laughs) All right. So while Joe's Mm -hmm. looking for that. Oh, that's another bad one right there. Yep, here we go. Did you have it? I thought you had it. No, 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 not yet. Go ahead. Go ahead? Yeah, you you do your thing. Do my thing? All right, here we go. Okay. This is, uh, here's, here's here's a word from Charles Finney. Wait, is that the guy that with the, the sinner's chair or whatever it is? The, the anxious seat? bench. Yes, yeah. yeah, I know my stuff. All right, all right. So um, here's what uh, he said a uh, revival is and is not. A revival is not a miracle, nor dependent on a miracle in any sense. It is a purely philosophical result of the right use of the constituted means, as much as so any other effect produced by the application of means. There may be a miracle among its antecedent causes, or there may not. The apostles employed miracles simply as a means by which they arrested attention to their message (laughs) and established its divine authority. But the miracle was not the revival. The miracle was one thing. The revival that followed it was quite another thing. The revivals in the apostles' days were connected with the miracle, but they were not miracles. He's really clear throughout his writings that he is a major heretic. And uh, though this is not necessarily heretical, it is very problematic. He believed that... The revival, they called about the revival of religion, that when revivals came about, it was simply the right use of the constituted means. In other words, you could manufacture a That's revival. It. You can produce it if you play your cards right, if you know how to put things together, if yeah. you can conceive it, you can achieve it. That's so essentially, every single youth camp out there. Well, there's a lot of them. Not every single Not one. Not every single one. You're going to be preaching a really right. good yeah, so one coming up. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of youth camps are kind of geared towards that. Right. Let's go ahead and get the kids all hyped up on sugar. Let's get them sleep deprived. They're going to have these games that run around all night. And let's go ahead and have a talk that is very emotionally charged. Manipulative. Manipulative. Yep. And then say, okay, my right, phone's thank blowing you. up. And then have this uh, call, like this, this altar call. Right. And so, yeah, everything's geared towards how do you how do you get a response? And that's what I'm hearing there. And I'm yeah, I know, you know, I've been part of some of those youth camps where they've just where it is this kind of progression that they're trying to move these kids towards. Now, uh, when done. I want to say maybe there was a lot of great intentions of course, behind it. Of right? I, I don't want to be uncharitable when I say that. I, I don't down heretics' but the fact, but uh, just intentions. The, yeah, but the, the sense of just trying to manufacture some sort of ethos, right. some sort of culture uh, to get a result. Right. So it's really about the result itself uh, or what you, you see as a result, not what has happened in the heart behind right, it. Right, right. And that's getting back to what a revival really is. So... Uh, a revival in the minds of some people is a meeting that, it, it, when done properly, will achieve the results of spiritual growth or experience or whatever. Yeah. Um, for Finney, and we're going to do just a brief, very brief aside on Finney here. Uh, for Finney, uh, it was nothing miraculous or supernatural. It was just plug and play, figure out how to do it, and you can make it happen. Now, Finney, for, Finney is loved, beloved by so many people. Yeah. Um, but uh, Finney was a original sin denying, uh, justification by faith alone rejecting, imputation rejecting, 
theologian. This guy was a heretic. And I'm not saying that because... And Joe I, doesn't say that loosely. Like I, I, I don't call people heretics yeah. very often. Finney was a theological whack. And, um, and go, I've read his systematic theology. That's how I know, uh, which is the worst systematic theology that I've ever read. I disagree with a lot oh, of systematic theology. Like, no, I disagree. They're yeah, not, I mean, they're, is, they're is not it worse terrible. than? You oh, yeah, know. it's the worst. It's the worst. It's worse than theology. the one I'm thinking. So, about. Like, I'm like, for example, A. H. Strong has written a systematic theology. I agree with some of it. I disagree with a lot of it. But it's not. A, it's not a horrible systematic theology. Finney's is a horrible systematic uh, theology. So, all that to say. Uh, Finney, uh, if you don't know who Finney was, Charles Finney was a preacher in the 1800s, started off Presbyterian, uh, hated Calvinism, and uh, rejected uh, cardinal orthodox doctrines of the Christian faith. Um, But he was a very gifted communicator, which we see a lot of these days. Yeah. These days, right? A very gifted communicator, very winsome, and uh, but a terrible theologian. That's right. And one of the things Finney is famous for is for preaching for hard decisions right away, which is, there's nothing wrong with preaching for people to make some kind of a decision, right? To repent is a decision, right? Yep. But he would preach, preach really hard and confrontationally uh, for people to make decisions, and then he would say, you know, come forward, right? I want you to walk the aisle um, to pray with me to do these things, to make a decision. He would say, like, if you're making this decision, stand up. He's one of the first guys that really did that. Finney was the guy that moved one of the pews way up front, called it the anxious bench. So people who were anxious for their souls had a place to come and sit where that they could, you could drill down even harder mm. into them. So Finney wound up, I think, I think he admits that Finney winds up manipulating people to into something that he perceived to be good. But none of that. So sorry, hold on. Did you say Finney admits? Or, or who would you say? Or you have to admit? Like those I listening. I think Finney essentially admits it when you read his writings on Revival. Okay, gotcha. I'm sorry. I was taking that as Finney himself said, I'm manipulated. I think he says it without saying it. Yes. Okay. So I think he, he says revival is just the right use of the constituted means. I get things together. You, mm-hmm. you move people. Uh, I mean, listen, Finney has so many crazy things that he said. Um, I don't. I don't. That's not what we're talking about. I know, and that's just that. But the the bottom line is, though, like true revival cannot be planned or manufactured by the church. I mean, look at Psalm 85, Mm -hmm. verses 4 to 7 say this. Right. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, Mm -hmm. that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I mean, this is the work of God. Right. Whatever revival is, whatever it is, it's God that does it. So how would you then define what real revival is. If you could, in just a little, just a snapshot, give, right. give, me a, give me a summary, sermon summary of this. Well, why don't you go first? I would say, based on even looking at that, that passage, that revival is the working of the Holy Spirit in the heart of an unbeliever. Okay. So, oh, exclusively in the heart of an unbeliever. Well, I would say... Oh, that passage ooh, thank you, be, you right. Uh, I would say it... A heart that is unbelieving. Oh, interesting. Okay, very good. I like that. I, li- I like that one because we all struggle with unbelief. Right, that's, and, that's true. So, um, yeah, I, I think... Thank b- you for that clarity, Joe. Generally, uh, I, would, I, would, I would say yes, it is uh, a work of God the Holy Spirit uh, in the hearts of, of his people. Would you say or, a gift? Or even uh, revival. I guess you could call it a, a gift. The, the, the thing is with revival, when people start defining it, they get, they get into... 
like Edward says something like it's an abundant effusion of the Holy Spirit. Mm, abundant effusion. Uh, it's a plethora. All right, so it's this pouring out of the Spirit in abundance. It's an upon overflow us. of the Spirit in abundance. And it's it's good, and of course now Edwards is the man. I, I like a lot of what Edwards had to write, but. Um, I heard he was a hack. Uh, no, he, he definitely was. Oh, okay, he, sorry. It's not that. Um, all right, so J.I. Packer defines it this way. It is God's quickening visitation of his people, touching their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. That's good. I like that. I like that. My favorite, very brief definition, comes from Richard Owen Roberts. Richard Owen Roberts wrote this book on revival. And if you don't know who uh, Roar is, Richard Owen Roberts, if you don't know who Roar is... Uh, he is um, one of the foremost authorities on the history of revival alive today. Okay. And he's like 180. The guy's really old. I, oh, okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, something, he's very close to 180. I've, 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 I've talked with him at length. I've heard him preach and just a, a man of God and uh, really understands this stuff. And, he, and what he says is that revival is simply an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit that produces extraordinary results. But when Roberts talks about it, it's an extraordinary movement of the Spirit that produces these extraordinary results. But, but, the, but the work that the Spirit is doing is the same work that he always does. Hmm. It's conviction, it's, it's conversion, it's encouragement, it's sanctification. But, it, it, but it's, it's, a, it's an extraordinary work of that same stuff. It's like he's, he's, he's not... So it's 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 that work and what are the results? Well, the results are essentially sanctification, right? That's essentially yeah. what it is. So it's what the Holy Spirit always does, but He does more of it. Just in does revival. okay. So instead of yeah, if the norm is five, let's just say now all of a sudden for a season it's thirty-five. Right, right. So it, it's it, I like that. It's it's a work of the Spirit, uh, but it's it's the same work that the Spirit always does in abundant measure, producing the same stuff that the Spirit always produces, but in abundant measure. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. What, I like the, it. I, I, everything Spirit, about it, I, I get. Because in, in real revival, like yes. Edwards talks about this, that in real revival, you mm-hmm. have things that accompany it that aren't of God, and that doesn't mean the revival's not real. You can have people fainting, barking like dogs. That was happening uh, in, in the, the Great Awakening. Oh, it's still happening now. Oh, I know. Um, laughed, like, you know, crazy, holy laughter. The holy laughter stuff. slain, you know, all that. So you can have abuses. That doesn't mean that the, what's happening deeper isn't revival, but revival is always the work of the spirit in uh in the hearts of men and women that produces the fruit of faith and and godliness uh, in fact you know that's that's probably one of the things that w- that we can talk about is is you know what does revival look like what you know when we say it's this uh like so you know uh Packer's definition, right? So you know, it, it, we read Packer, and it's God's quickening visitation, right? Yeah. So it's this enlivening thing that touches their hearts, and it deepens his work of grace in their life. So if the work of grace is there. It's going deeper. What does that look like? What are some of the things that begin to happen when people experience revival? How do you, how do you see it? I mean, I think first, I mean, it's more, it's, you're more Christ-centered, right? Like, For sure. You know, Jesus becomes the center of it. You, you kind of have this realignment uh, of your understanding that I am not on the throne, but that Jesus is on the throne and to be glorified. Um, yeah, he becomes central, like in people's hearts. He becomes central in the preaching of the exactly. church. Like Jesus. So takes it's not just, indi- that's the thing. That's real revival is not just the individual, which 
that can happen for an individual. Right. An individual can experience revival. Exactly. But it happens among God's people. Yeah. So that, that general revival, this broad revival that's that sweeps right. across churches and geographical areas. And that's really what we're talking about here. Um, so we see that Jesus becomes central. Um, there are a lot of conversions. Yeah. Typically, there's an increased number of, of conversions. Ooh, hang on a second. Oh, Okay, so I've got one of the books I have here are Accounts of Religious Revivals by Bradley. Um, and uh, he begins to describe what was happening when uh, revival was breaking out. And here, what was this, Boston? I don't even remember. Um, no, this was in Connecticut in the 1800s. He says this, It was astonishing to see the change that took place in two weeks. Saints were filled with transports of joy, and sinners were pricked in their heart and began anxiously to inquire what they must do to be saved. Mm. Hundreds flocked to places of worship. The darkest nights, the, the most unfavorable weather, the unpleasant traveling did not hinder their assembling together. Wow. Though there were meetings every night in the week, yet these were so crowded that many had to stand at the doors and windows in order to hear the word of life, and some had to go away who could not get near enough to hear. Many of the young people who had been vain and thoughtless about eternity were now seen within their, with their heads bowed down and trembling with fear, lest the mercies of God were clean gone forever. The hearts of some of the most obstinate sinners seemed to melt like wax before the fire, and many who once would not have been thought to be serious for the greatest consideration, were now constrained to renounce their sinful ways, to cry unto God for salvation, and to beseech Christians to pray for them. That's just a, a tiny sample of, 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 a, of a, a contemporaneous um, uh, account of what was happening in Connecticut at that time. Wow. So, you know, Christ is being preached. People are being converted. Yeah, like, but it's not only... being changed. But then also, it talked about saints. Yeah. Right? Like, there, there was this this increase of godliness, this mm -hmm. increase of an understanding of, of what does it mean to, to walk with God, to, to love God, right? Like that's the thing. It, yes, it's an yes. increase of love for him. It's not just about the, the obedience, the obedience or godliness is a result of one's desire to, or one's love for God. Right. And, and it, it's, it's marked like throughout these accounts as you, as you read them, um, that, uh, People like thieves are returning stolen goods, right? Or wow. people are turning themselves into the cops. Um, people they're hit by their sin, right? They and feel their it. need for grace, and I think even a response of their the gr the grace that has been given to them. Yeah, things begin to really change, right? This deepening of the work, this extraordinary result. Revival is not a feeling, yeah. Right? Revival is not an event. Revival is the work of God in the soul of man, and it's it, it's this it's this transformative yeah. work of the spirit. Now, it, would you say that it's uh, it's long term? Well, that's I think historically we see that we see that it's not we we see that it's not long term. That um, these kind of general revivals would would come upon a place, whether that's a church or a number of churches or a city, and things would be intense for a yeah. season. And then they would die away. See, I'm not... Uh, sorry, let me clarify my question. My question was more about, is it lasting fruit in the life of the individual? Well, maybe uh, yes and no might be the way that I would answer that. Um, people cry out for revival um, because, you know, and we'll talk about this, but because there's this need, mm. um, maybe there's a coldness or whatever. Um, but 
no one maintains uh, the perfect piety. No one achieves yeah. that. And no one maintains the steady course of, uh, of piety wherever, at whatever level God has raised them up. Yeah. Things ebb and flow. They come and go. Uh, so revival, I think, it, it seems to me, a revival is always somewhat temporary. Though mm-hmm. much of the fruit, like so, uh, people are converted. Well, that's not temporary. That lasts. Conversion yeah, lasts. Yeah, yeah. But many of the effects seem to come and go. Like for example, one of the things that marks revival are uh, the change in conversations. Yeah. So when you read these accounts, like I have another one here. Uh, this one's called uh, the Boston Revival, eighteen forty-two, by Moore. Um, and these are all accounts that were printed in newspapers about what was happening during during these seasons. And one of the things that you read is that every store you go into, you go into the bakery, you go into the shoe store, mm-hmm. everybody's talking about Jesus. Everybody's talking about the Bible. They're all talking about spiritual things. They, it's, it's on their minds. It's on their hearts. Therefore, it's what they talk about. And it's a good thing. It's not like how, we're, how uh, Christianity is talked about today. Yeah, no. The weirdos be- of Christianity, right. right? Like, So there's genuine interest among, uh, among the culture of what is going on here. Yeah. I mean, people are, so like outsiders who aren't experiencing are perplexed, but so many of the people who are being impact, they can't hold it in. Like Jeremiah, right? His word is a fire in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. It's got to come out. And you know what it's like when God teaches you something new. Yeah. You want to talk about it. You're like, oh, check this out. Look at this. Well, and that's the other mark of it, right? Zeal. Yeah. Right? Like you get excited. You're passionate. It's not just this this passive participation. It's, it's this active, like, burning flame within you. You want to share it. You, you, want it you, you want more of it, too. It's not, just, it's not just sharing it with those around you, but you recognize your need for more of yeah. it, right? Yeah, like, you, you need more of God in your life. Yeah, you, you hate your sin now mm-hmm. to a much higher degree, and you love God more, and you fear the, the, the just judgment uh, in in the midst, and a lot of these accounts. There's an account in in this book where there's a school teacher who was so convicted, uh, an unbeliever, yeah. was so convicted, was so condemned that he couldn't get out of bed. Wow. He just laid there in misery, contemplating the gospel. And it wasn't until God opened his heart, it wasn't until revival hit him by God's grace and power, that he was able to stand up and, wow. and walk away. Um, yeah, there's so that zeal, right? Has has there's like two edges to that blade. There's this, there's this hatred for sin, this conviction yes. that we yep. feel, but then there's this love and this assurance that comes with it at the same time. So I think there's zeal, and the another one of the uh, effects of revival. One of the things that we see is church growth and planting. So we we know that the churches are filled. We just read one of the accounts. Um, but this also gives birth to more people uh, sensing a call to ministry, more churches being started in more areas where there aren't any churches. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons we have so many Baptist churches was because was because during the, the First Great Awakening with um, George Whitfield yeah. and uh, John Wesley and uh, Jonathan Edwards, that people, I still didn't shut off my uh, Can alert. you please shut it off? I'll shut it off. So, Just do it right uh, now. No, I got to finish my sentence. I'm going to lose it. What was I saying? With the first great awakening. Oh, yeah. So a lot Baptist churches were planted all over the place. So yeah, um, there's there's a lot that we see happening when revival happens. So this is why when like a college will say we're having revival, like there's this big movement and everybody like when I was in college, there was this big at Moody Bible Institute. At Moody Bible Institute, um, there was this movement 
uh, happening among a number of Christian colleges. And it began with an abundance of confession. People began confessing sins. And they would do so publicly uh, in, it, it, to a, a very deep degree. Did you? People, no. No, I ain't got time for that. Um, <laughs> I, I got no time for revival. So they would send some people that, from one revival to the next, and they would just open up the mics, go, hey, we're going to start confessing our sins. Um, and so there was like, people were saying, this is revival. And I remember, uh, so I was there for that. And then there was a meeting in another room and I went there and there were dudes there like on their knees, shaking, like rubbing their bodies, like rubbing their bodies, like they're rubbing uh, lotion or suntan lotion all over their body. Well, they don't call but what does that do? Well, I, they just were feeling ecstasy or something. I don't know. Well, no, um, I'm, I'm trying to understand. Like, what do you mean? Like, was it like, was it like euphoric? Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it was, it was, it was nutty. And and listen, Moody is not uh, Moody is not known to so be. This that. was this was crazy stuff. Now a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's revival, it's revival." And what I kept thinking was, "Is well, time will tell if this is revival, because if it's revival, then Jesus is going to be central. Conversions are going to be happening. Yep. Godliness is going to be there. We're going to see zeal. Like it, it, it's going to be more than an, an experience. That's it. More than an experience. Now, okay. So when we're talking about revival, um. This this work of God in us. Yeah. Why would we need it? Why would? Well, hold on. Uh, I I I want to get back to your example. Oh, you want to go back? Okay. Okay. So when you said time would tell, so time would show whether that kind of happened. Uh, if revival truly did happen, what will people say after? the Doctrine and Devotion Conference on piety. Well, time will tell. Time will mean. tell that revival will happen. Yeah. I mean, we don't want people to miss out on revival. I think their best shot. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. been a long, it's been over 100 years since we've had a, like a real I think revival. I think we're due up, and I'm I, pretty I sure think, it's about to happen March 11th. Uh, Jim Renahan's going to be speaking. Oh, a revival. Okay. That's revival. So we're not calling it a revival? We'll let God do that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And what? And we're not calling it a revival. We'll let other. I mean, we'll other let bloggers historic, want we'll to. Let we'll history call it a and revival. anyone on social media. When they look back, they'll see that hey, like Joe is like Asa Hill Nettleton, and Jimmy is like his contemporary. Um... Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. This this joke's landing really oh, well. Geez, I forgot. Charles Finney. Dang it. I couldn't have drawn a blank. Why am I Charles Finney? Because they were contemporaries. But I don't want to be Charles Finney. Oh, you are. I'm not Charles Finney. Well, you, Charles I'm not Finney be, was I'm not be so. The heretic. Listen, Charles Finney was the ugliest evangelist ever in the history of the well, church. Well, that's, that's Joe to the T. No, no way. No way. <laughs> so if you want to register for the Doctrine and Devotion mm-hmm. Conference, and revival. which is going to be so amazing, and revival. Uh, head on over to doctrineanddevotion.com slash conference. You can register right there. Do it now. It's filling up. and Because uh, of revival. It may be pre-revival. It's, it's pre-revival for the revival. And then we're going to have the after-revival at post, Levita. Re- post-revival. We're going to have post-revival at Levita. All right, so why do we need revival? If we already have the Spirit, mm-hmm. if the Spirit promises to sanctify us, then why would we need revival at all? Well, I think there's that, as we mentioned at the beginning, um, I think there are times of unbelief, even for, for the believer. Right. There's times of complacency and spiritual coldness. I think there's also times, and we've seen it, of, uh, I want to say... In the um, uh, bad teaching, I'm I'm really trying to word it in a certain way right. uh, that needs to be corrected. Yeah, there needs to be a reorientation of God's people. Like, I mean, if revival is going to happen, I pray it happens soon because God's people, especially in the states and in the South, uh, seem to be looking towards Trump as savior. Yeah, 
and we need a, we need revival. We need to repent of that sin. Right, and that's, that's one of the things that comes with revival is, you know, if Jesus is central, it means that doctrine is improved. It is, yeah. it is corrected. It, is, it comes more in line with Scripture. So I, I think that we, we can see that we need it because um, at times we are cold mm-hmm. or lukewarm, as Jesus said, um, or we are uh, apathetic, you know. We, Complacent. We get to this point where we stop feeling the truths of the yeah. gospel and we need our i mean this is why you know, uh psalm 119 149 hear my voice according to your steadfast love O lord according yeah. to your justice give me life give me life you can translate that revive me um psalm 119 37 turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways revive yeah. me in your ways um my soul clings to the dust, Psalm 119, verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life or revive me uh, according to your word. Mm. So we, we see that it's God doing it, be, and he does it because there is sin taking hold. There is uh, a, a, an apathy or there are doctrinal deficiencies. Yeah. There are a lot of reasons why we need it and, and when we need it. But if we recognize it's the work of God— yeah. And we recognize that at times we all need it, you know, either personally or collectively. How is it that revival comes about? If, if we can't, if we're saying you can't manufacture it, yes. And God's the one that does it. Yeah. Historically, how does it? What tends to be the the common uh, associated works with revival? Well, I think. Would you say? I mean, prayer. Yep. Would you say, I mean, I'm thinking of like James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So how do we draw near to God? I mean, I would say uh, through the means of grace. I, yeah. I would say through, uh, through prayer. Mm-hmm. I would say through co- gathering together as God's people in community, prioritizing mm-hmm. the gathering of God's people. I would say uh, better understanding and maybe I'll, I'll use the word appreciating uh, the the beauty of the ordinances of yeah. the sacraments, yeah. right? The right proclamation of God's word. Exactly. So it's it's all. Listen, God brings revival not when people start doing weird, new, inventive mm-hmm. things, but God brings revival as His people are doing the things they're supposed to do. That's right. The ministry of the word, prayer, the ordinances. Corporate worship. That's what's always in play. So you don't need to start doing anything new if if you're hopeful for revival. So what am I going to do do with the snake? I've been charming it all day. Well, uh, you know what? We can make some promo videos with that thing. All right, let's do it. Oh, we can crush its head. Can we crush its head? Yeah, call PETA. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Um, So yeah, that's that's, that's really how it comes about. It's... And listen, you kind of understand that. I hope you can understand it on a personal level because outside of those, those less frequent, uh, large-scale revivals, right? And you see those kind of revivals where large areas, geographical areas, yeah. cities um, are being impacted. You see that in the Scripture happening, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. You see it uh, happening throughout church history. 
Um, you see it happening in goodness. I mean, we could point to a bunch, but the Reformation would yeah. be uh, Protestant Reformation is one of those times. Yep, you have absolutely. the First Great Awakening in the 1700s. You have the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s. You have these you have the Boston revivals, New York revivals, the Welsh revival. You have all these revivals where you can see it happening, but it, they tend to be spread out, and they they don't they're not happening very often. Now, in your life. You've probably encountered this. You've probably experienced personal personally. Revival, you've you've experienced that revival where what's happening? Uh, Jesus becomes precious to you. Yep. Salvation becomes sweet. The truth of God, the Word of God, becomes life giving to you. You're convicted of your sins. You're pursuing godliness. Yeah. Uh, you have more zeal. Like that is real revival, and that Absolutely. is more frequent. That sort of a thing, I think, is more frequent. It on an individual often, level. On yes. an individual level, yes. So, but then, but should we be seeking then revival? On a, I mean on a grander scale, I guess? I think it's fair to say that we should seek revival for God's people, especially in countries like America where we have an abundance of goods, where we are very comfortable uh, because we tend to be a bit more complacent and apathetic. Absolutely. So I think we should pray for God to revive us as a people. And you have an opportunity March 11th. Come to the conference. Um, and I think we ought to seek revival for ourselves whenever yeah. we sense it. But I don't think we should seek revival as the answer. I, I, I think we want to be careful. Like, what do, you mean, what do you mean by that? Define that. Because I thought I heard you say, maybe I misheard, uh, we should be seeking revival, on a, you know, praying for that revival on a grander mm-hmm. scale. Right. But then also for the revival as an individual. Yep. But you're saying not as the answer. The answer to what? Can you give me that? Well, I was about to until you interrupted me with uh, this. uh, Yeah, it's called a transition. Unnecessary question. Um, I think that instead of seeing the revival as the answer, and I'm not, this is not, I'm not playing word games here, but we need to be sure that we are seeking God as the answer. Um, w- it, more important than my experience yes. in all these okay, things I get you. is the glory and the supremacy of our triune God. It's not about the show. It's not about the event. Right. Uh, it's about the glory of God. And I, I, th- I think that we've got we've to make sure that as we're talking about revival and we're saying this is something that we need, this is something that God does, that, that we want him to do like in that. us. It's great. I like that. But ultimately, what we really ought to seek is God himself and the reflection of his glory through lives that are being changed. That's, I guess, the only... Because I I know people that are super, super into revival. They're into revival like dispensationalists are into the end times, (laughs) right? Like they are all about it. And, you know, great, cool, but, you know, it's, it's like people that are that are into reformed theology. It's, you, we can become so about our confessional heritage yeah. that we become focused on it over confessing Christ. We can become obsessed with it more than the, the truth and the person that the confession is actually pointing to. So you can become more about your identity or your experience when we ought to praise God for our identity and our experience because of who he is and what he's doing and all. Absolutely. That's, that's my only, like, kind of like, let's, let's be careful as we talk about it and even as we seek about it. Is, can you, when you think back into your life, Jimmy, on a mm-hmm. personal level, yeah. have, have, can you point to one of those times when you've experienced personal revival? Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've shared about it with, with Joe and I've shared it uh, from the church. Uh, I mean, for me, my complacency kind of led to 
uh, I think, well, actually, I've shared on the podcast just about um, on our first one, I think. on our first one where Joe kind of left me hanging, um, swinging from the gallows. So uh, where I was, I was not worshiping God. I, I was it was all lip service and it was it was having an impact, not just in in my faith, but in my marriage. You know, I almost lost my wife. I almost lost everything. Um, and I needed I, I needed God. I needed God to work on my heart, to convict me of my sin, to draw me close to him um, in a powerful way. And so, but what happened? How, uh, how did it come about? Like, what were the things that were happening that God was doing? Like, what were the, the instruments? We talked about the word and all that. Yeah, so like, yeah. what, were the, what were the positive circumstances that, that God used to feed in yeah. and encourage you? So uh, the church I was going to was maybe not as fulfilling as I would like. Uh, but one of the positive things about it was I would have an hour uh, during the sermon to, to read my Bible, <laughs> just kind of do my own personal study. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're saying the preacher was so bad that you would tune him out and tune into the Bible. Well, when a preacher would be saying things like, uh, you won't find this in the Bible. This is what I believe. Okay. Yeah, I'm so. going to be tuning that out. All right, so you tune that out. Or if everything was a the same sermon over and over again about uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit okay, uh, and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And if you're not, you know, exhibiting. Tongue-talking. Yeah, and if you're not exhibiting these things, then you're not really a believer. You ain't got the ghost. You ain't got the ghost. All right. Uh, so I would sit there and I would, I'd be able to just kind of pour into Scripture um, – and Michelle and I, despite despite our struggles, uh, God was gracious in still leading us to just softly pray mm-hmm. together. And we would pray a certain like we would we would pray, uh, and all we could do, knowing our situation and knowing our circumstance and mm. knowing how uh, desperate we were for God to work in our lives mm. uh, and in our marriage would cling to that hope in the midst of a prayer together. Um, and I would say it was through the regular means of grace that like when people talk about being cold and they back off by God's grace, uh, I was encouraged to press in deeper. Yeah. And it was, it was through that, that God was well, through the power of God to be enabled to do that because everything inside of me wanted to walk away and be, I'm done yeah. out. Uh, I'm leaving the ministry. Don't want to do anything with this anymore. I'm out. Um, but God being gracious would not let me go. And by his spirit, well, I was able to press in deeper and he revealed himself more to me. That's awesome, man. Means of grace. Well, how about you, Joe? Not I've you're never, such a I've, jerk. I've never had to be revived. You're, you're I feel doing like, this. Oh my I god! Feel like, you're doing this to no, me? Are you like, kidding no, me? I've you never like, had to be revived. Week one, I'm you did this to brother. me. Week Deeper one, living. Week one, you did this to me. I have no. I don't know. And now you're gonna about. do this to me now. Over time, you want me to keep it real? Like, hey man, I yeah, keep it real. I know, yeah, man. I'm the, uh, depression. Life. Tell me about your depression. Uh, I've never been depressed a day in my life. Thank you very much. But Anxiety. Thanks for anxious. No, I'm a bit a little anxious. All right, why don't you talk I'll t- about I'll that? tell you what. I'll, 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 I'll say this. I've talked about that before. Um, I, there, was, there was a period of time where um, I had really just 
cooled off. I wasn't praying very much. I wasn't reading the word. And I was just kind of going about my day. And you guys know what it's like. I'm just talking about your typical uh, spiritual apathy that, uh, that, that comes upon a person from time to time. I remember waking up one morning and just sensing how, how dead I was. I just, I just felt so lifeless. And I started thinking about what God had done in the past and where I was and how did I get here? And so um, I grabbed my NIV Life Application Bible, uh, I remember, and uh, I, I, I ran out of the house. I woke up. I, I, was, I was a young man. Uh, I was probably, I don't know, it was before I went to Moody. I, I, I ran out of the house. I got into my uh, red Ford Escort and I drove to Wheeler Park which is a park right hey, there. Hey, right by my house. That's right. So I drove there. I mean, I, I, was, I felt like I was racing. And I got out, I grabbed my Bible, and I walked way out into the middle of this park and found a picnic bench in the middle of nowhere. And I sat there, and I opened up my Bible, my Bible to First Peter. And as I was reading the Word, I felt like God was um, refreshing me. I felt like I was parched and like I'd been in the desert and I was drinking in this cold water. And uh, it's not that it felt that way, but it's that um, the word of God was becoming very alive to me. I mean, I know that it is living and active, but I was actually experiencing that, feeling that. And I was, it was, it was convicting and encouraging me and redirecting me. It was changing my, 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 my heart and my mind right there on the spot. And I remember I didn't have a pen. I usually had a pen with me back then and I didn't have a pen. And so I just kept reading it over and over again. I didn't want to miss it. I couldn't write it down. So I just I tried to memorize it. And, uh, that, that was the beginning of, of a really sweet time coming out of coldness for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've had moments, moments like that, uh, here and there. And, uh, you can read about the other stuff, um, or listen to other times I've talked about the anxiety and, and things. But yeah, that would be about it. That's the kind of thing that I, I've experienced from time to time over the years. In fact, the sermon series I'm preaching right now is on the danger and cure of complacency. Mm. And it, I'm not pushing revival as the answer, uh, but I am pushing the, 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 the work of God through the means of grace as um, the path toward um, finding... Uh, intimacy with Christ and, yeah. and real zeal once again. So revival, man, uh, good books. I, I want to recommend a couple books. Good. All right. So, uh, one book is, is a modern work, uh, and it's called a God sized vision revival stories that stretch and stir. It's by Colin Hansen and John Woodbridge. You guys know Colin Hansen. He's the, um, young restless and reformed writer. And John Woodbridge is a church historian. Really good book that you can check out. Pick up uh, Lloyd-Jones' book, Revival. Pick up Richard Owen Roberts' book on Revival. That one is really good as well. And we'll have a few others in the show notes and a few articles for you guys to read. Um, But our encouragement to you is um, not to obsess about revival, but to become uh, a true seeker of the Lord, yeah. that you would seek him in the morning, that you would seek him in the afternoon, that you would seek him in the evening. And, you know, when Jesus says, if you seek, you will find, he does mean it. He, those, those who are moved by God to seek, right, that's the work of God in you. It's going that's to right. ultimately bear this fruit of deeper and more profound love, of greater joy, of, of, of strengthened faith. So do what Jimmy did. Press into the word, press into prayer, 
go to worship, um, be with God's people, and you will be sanctified. And perhaps the revival that you need uh, will happen. Maybe it won't be a, a sudden, uh, grand experience of restoration, but we are promised that there will be this gradual work of sanctification yeah. that does revive us. Big thanks to Justin Bond of J. Bond Media, the audiovisual wizard of Doctrine and Devotion. If you've got any audiovisual photography needs, hit up jbondmedia.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head on over to the website, doctrineanddevotion.com. Click on the Contact Us page where you can fill out the form, send us your thoughts, ideas, or your suggestions. You can click on the Sign Up page where you can get on our weekly email list. You can also there... Click on the store where you can go ahead and get yourself a Doctrine Devotion shirt, mm-hmm. hoodie. Looks good. Videos. Videos. And soon some journals. What's up? And more. Fresh you Pod. No, oh, you can head out over to iTunes. Oh, nobody cares. You <laughs> leave us an honest five-star review. Nobody's Fresh Pod that. every Monday and Thursday. Articles every Wednesday. And pretty soon, some videos, oh, yeah. content just for our email subscribers on Fridays. Later. Uh, Joe just threw the peace sign. You could just say, all right, he just he said peace. Oh, that's not very nice. What? Later. Later.